And so let's begin. So just a little bit of background here, Alice. So I'll put in the chat. So we've been working with some of the, the Washington state data. So in specific, it, you can make public records requests and actually get the, you know, the, the traceability data dumps. So for example, let me find the specific link and I will put it in the chat. So here you can access, that would be a snapshot of what the data would look like in December. So when was your group created and what's kind of the, what's the goal of the group? So the group is just to sort of share each other, you know, share what, what, what we're working on. So all of us are sort of, you know, working peers, you know, tangentially with the cannabis industry. And so we're trying to do some analysis to just get a better understanding of the industry and of particular markets. So it's a group to bring together you know, like, like-minded people that, you know, want to talk about cannabis data. And so it's actually a pretty open-ended group. So at the moment, I've, I've just been sharing some of the work I've been doing. Charles has been doing a lot of data cleaning on some of the data we've been able to come across. And then, um, you know, some people have come in that were interested in APIs and, uh, today I was going to share with you some some data that I was looking at in Colorado a few years ago and see if anyone's interested in that data and if so then it may be worthwhile updating it with the most recent data. And are you both uh, involved in the cannabis industry? Yes. Well, yeah. Well, well, I can't speak for Charles, but I am I've started a company, Canlytics that okay. provides cannabis analytics. Primarily, we focus on providing solutions to laboratories. So we're providing an end-to-end -end solution for laboratories that need an, a laboratory information management system. Okay. Then we also provide cannabis analytics to producers, retailers, and consumers. Okay. And then, Great. And then and just part-time, I, I do some uh, data scientist work for company in San Francisco that does supply chain management in the cannabis industry. Okay. And Thank what you. about you, Charles? What um, your I'm just interested in data science, and this is a unique data set that not a lot of people have studied, and so um, I'm, you know, I'm interested in looking at it and seeing what I can find. Awesome. Well, let, speaking of which, let me go ahead and... Um, share with you some, some more resources. Let me just get everything. So, I guess I'll just go ahead and start sharing my screen and um, uh, we can kick it off for today. All right, so some of the data sources that I've been looking at were, I, a while back, I had started writing a, you know, just this paper on, and I was looking at wages. And And I recently saw this post by Leafly, and I'll also put this link in the chat.
So it's a long story short, it's a, a post by Leafly and they're talking about, you know, how there's, you know, a large, there's a large number of jobs uh, in the cannabis industry. You know, it, it's a, you know, growing field. And, you know, that was an area, you know, that I'd looked at previously. Um, so, you know, I thought it would be worthwhile to do some, some analysis. So, you know, the first place we need is just a nice source of data. And no, for no particular reason, but I just chose Colorado. They've been, they, their cannabis industry is fairly well established and they have a fairly good source of public data. So I'll put the, these links in the chat here, but there are some, you know, there's some good data about the actual number of licensees in Colorado. I mean, it's been legal there for quite a while, right? Exactly. So they've had medicinal, I don't want to say how long, but probably more than 10 years. And then the, the recreational dates back to, to really the start of 2015. Okay, so there's more data there. Exactly. And so, you know, just taking a quick... You know, a quick look at some of this data. You can actually go to the API docs. And so this is useful because you can, you, you know, you can interact with this data, you know, in your favorite programming language. So they even have all these code snippets down here at the bottom. I'm, I just tend to use Python, so I'm just going to just show you a, just a quick example of how to hit this endpoint in in Spider, just just to show you how to get some licensee data. So mm -hmm. it's fairly simple. Just I'll be using Socrata's um, you know development tools, and then. I'm just going to use an unauthenticated client. However, you can get an API key just for authentic, just for authentication. That way, you know you don't have to um, be throttled. Yeah. And then, the way you really work with the endpoints is there's a unique. ID for a given data set. So for example, when we're looking here at this data set, you'll see this ID right there at the end of the URL. And then likewise, you know, the same ID. So, and then, you know, you can you can just use standard requests, but in this case, I'll just use the client, and you know you can. I'm just going to get you know maybe just uh, ten observations here, but you know so you can make a request. I'm not exactly sure what type of response object this is. but we can convert it to a pandas data frame. And so then you can look at observations so I didn't actually save this data to the GitHub repository because it does have people's actual names. So, you know, I guess that's in, um, in the public, you know, that's public information, but 
you know, it's of no interest to me. But what, you know, what you could, you know, I just essentially just went and did a count of the number of licensees by, by county. I think you get people's city. So from the city, you can deduce the county and then you can just get a, a nice, a nice county count. If there's other fields here that, that may be of interest, not many people fill them out, but there are uh, degrees. So, you know, some people, You know, so some people will list their degrees and their specialties. So that could be an interesting can't uh, spell today. But that would be an interesting analysis to to look at what specialties and degrees people in the cannabis industry tend to, to fall into because, you know, there's people from all walks of life in, in the cannabis industry. All right. And so just to kind of get back on track here, just to kind of show you, you know, the actual work I was doing here. So I'll, I'll actually show you the data. So I did recently I... did that one time. Sorry, can I ask you in the in this um, data set? So professional and occupational license. Are we talking about people who work for a certain business, or are we talking about the businesses themselves? I'm trying to. I'm looking at the data frame right now, and so in Colorado, you have to have a license. To work in the cannabis industry so these okay. are employee specific licenses so i think they're tied to a specific person so yeah is there somewhere where it says the company that they work in if they are working in the company i was looking at that and i couldn't find that because okay. that that would be an like you you kind of hit the nail on the head that that would be an incredibly interesting that would be an incredibly interesting breakdown um, to, to to you know to look at firm size right yeah I mean in the leafy um, graph that you had the infographics it was or maybe in one of your slides you say, you have like the company has between one and 10 employees or Ooh, yes. So now I was going to kind of show you some of the, so this is some of the research that I was doing. So, you know, so we're here talking about data science applied to the cannabis industry. And so the way you can really capitalize and make interesting observations is to combine data sets. So, you know, you can get pretty rich data out of one data set, but now if we start to combine data sets, we may have to make some approximations and estimations, but we can, you know, we can start to get some insights here. So this was, a survey that was done in 2014. So this is going to be dated. And plus, I did this research in 2017. So the things I'm sharing with you are almost four years old. And so it would be worthwhile. And that's why I'm kind of, I'm kind of working on them is because you know, these are things I did four years ago, and it may be worthwhile to to touch them up with with current data. So that's why I'm sharing it um, with you in case any of you want to work on this type of stuff as well. 
<clears throat> but, but, okay, but long story short here, I found this work and well-being survey, and I'll have to share this link after the presentation. But, but they found this breakdown where you see most company, you know, the, the majority of companies, you know, have fewer than 30 employees. So you would really consider that a small business. And then, you know, there, there are a handful of large companies uh, with greater than 50 employees. But probably not, but this is probably not the typical breakdown that you would see in a typical industry. I, but I'm, was somebody going to say something? I'm just conjecturing, but I would imagine that in other industries, you may see employees typically working for, for large companies. But that's just a conjecture. Um, I'd actually have to look at the data. So just to kind of keep moving on here with some of these other just stat, stats that I was breaking down. Ooh, and before I get too... Too far along here, I was just going to basically show you that if you go here to the GitHub, I've got all these stats. So here I'll put this link in the chat. And just to give you an idea of what this data looks like. This is old data. And so one of the subject matters of the day is refactoring, which is taking old code or not the best written code and rewriting it, cleaning it up, making it better. And in fact, that's often how you wind up with really, really good code is by just cleaning up old code. So here we've got this mess of work that I did back in 2017. And so, you know, the idea is maybe it's time to refactor this, take this code, clean it up, get the data up to 2021. And it could be quite interesting. Right, long story short, we've got some cool data points here. So remember I was telling you, well, not that I was telling you, you can find, you know, the, these occupational licenses, this license data here. Um, but, you know, you just have people's cities. So you have to actually do a bit of legwork to count you know the total number of employees in different places and in fact you may even have to go to the archives to get the actual month by month so i'll start sharing some of these resources as i populate this to the recent date but um I'll, I'll have to share the links afterwards. But look, but I've gone ahead here and month by month just created totals. So I've got total occupational licenses. You know, there, there's a bunch of real cool data points. You know, I probably wouldn't have formatted the keys like this today. Like snake case would probably be preferred. But, you know, this is what the data is. And so you've got some, so you've got all the licensees here. You have all the sales. And then you have some of these fields that I started to, to calculate, which are, you know, things like, this is sort of, you know, you know, occupational licenses per business license. So 
you know, we don't know, you know, we don't know how many employees actually work at each particular business, which would be awesome because then we could get some really granular stats. But we can still just see the average number of licensees per license. And so what you see, if you look at that number, is, you know, you, you see it just just in the early two years start to rise. So, so that's an indication that you're moving from small to large businesses. But, but still, you know, 11 employees per license is, is quite small. Um, but, okay, so we've got some good data here. You know, so now, remember, rule number one about data, look at the data. So, here is the growth of occupational licenses. So, this is just how fast our license is growing. And so, as you would expect, when Colorado first started in 2014, it looks like, of course, there's a lot of people entering high, high monthly growth rate of licenses, and then that gradually grow, then, you know, that gradually diminishes. And so it would be really interesting to plot this out. You know, it would be real interesting, you know, to plot this out. And, you know, see what's happening all the way up to, you know, 2021. So, so that is sort of the objective at hand. Um, okay, and so I was just going to show you a little bit of economics. I was sort of meaning to boil it down a little better. But I'll touch on it, so don't let this scare you off or anything. But long story short is I was sort of going to do a little analysis here. And so the way economic analysis really starts is you basically assume that things are produced given some sort of function. So, right so right now I'm basically saying, okay, so what's being produced? This is basically just cannabis flower, right? So that's, you know, cannabis flower. Um, and, you know, it's dependent on something, right? So I was just saying, okay, well, that depends on, you know, the number of, you know, plants, Right. So, so basically just saying, you know, you know, production, you know, is some sort of function of the number of plants. And what's nice is you, if you take the log of both sides, because you can, you know, apply any function to both sides, then you just get a nice linear function which you can estimate with the regression. So now you can just do an ordinary least squares regression of the log of flowers or sales on the log of plants. And you can, you know, you basically can estimate how, you know, how productive the market is. And so this alpha is really, it is basically a measure of how productive the market is. If it's, you know, really close to zero, you're um, not going to have a very, it's going to be a really inefficient market. You're going to have to grow a ton of plants to just produce a tiny little bit of flour. But if alpha is close to one, 
then you don't, you know, you're, it's, it's a very efficient market and you're getting a lot of flour for the, for the number of plants that you're growing. So that is the simplest, you know, production function. And so now we're going to introduce labor, right? Because, you know, plants don't grow themselves. So here you just have plants and you have flower. Okay. But now we're going to say, okay, we're now we're going to say, you know, we've got the same thing here. We've got our production. It depends on plants. But it also depends on labor. So you need plants or capital. So, you know, K is essentially all physical goods. So just any, anything physical required to produce. And then L is any, any labor. So that is your managers. That is your you know, just your, you know, your standard cultivators, your operators, all their time and energy, thought power, all that. And so, you know, we're basically saying, okay, you know, given that and, you know, the state, and then, you know, you've got just things that are taken as given. So, so this is just, you know, your, your tech, you know, so that's just your tech and, you know, and that's essentially your efficiency. So that's a basically your efficiency of capital. Um, and then, you know, Beta is essentially your efficiency of, of labor. Okay, so that's just sort of the mental framework, to, you know. Um, so, so that's just the mental framework to sort of show, okay, so that's the framework for essentially why we're going to be, you know, plotting the data, you know, like this. And so, so this is, ba so basically, you know, this is three dimensions, right? So this is Y, your production, K, you know, your capital, and L, your labor. So this is really a three-dimensional, so you can think about that as like a three-dimensional dome. And so this is just two two dimensions of that dome and so here i've plotted occupational licenses which would be our labor right so this is basically you know lt down here so right so down here we've got l And then up here, we've got our production. So, you know, as you would kind of expect, the more labor that's in the market, you know, the more production you're going to have. And it just sort of, you know, we're just beginning to, to sort of form, formalize a, a production function. Okay, and so, why? Well, the reason why is we're sort of trying to measure this curve here, right? Because, you know, we want to know, because we want to know, okay, does that curve go like that? Does this curve, you know, go like that? Because, you know, right here, you know, you would have like, you know, you know, highly efficient labor. And, you know, down here you'd have, you know, real low efficient labor. And, 
you know, essentially what economic theory tells us is, you know, the higher your efficiency of labor, you know, the higher wage you can expect to get. And so here's a similar chart with the medical industry. And so as you, as you see here, see here you've got a real steep relation between licensees and you know, retail revenue. And here, there's not quite a sharp relation. You've got a fairly, fairly flat relation between the number of medical licenses and then medical revenue. And so all that would really mean is you would expect that the wage rate would actually be lower in the medical industry than it would be in the recreational industry. So that would that would just be a hypothesis that you would you could make from looking at this data and you know using economic theory. But you know it's nothing more than a hypothesis and you know you'd actually have to look at at the wage rates in the in the two in the two industries. So and then here's here's just the actual economic theory behind it. So um, basically, you know, economic theory would suggest that, you know, the competitive wage would be the one where you're basically getting paid, you know, your marginal product. So what that says in simplest terms is you're going to produce a certain amount of value for your, for your work. You know, no one would pay you more than the value you you generate. But if they're paying you less than the value you generate in a perfectly competitive market, somebody else would come along and say, hey, somebody's paying him less than the value he's producing or she, then I'm going to, you know, pay them just a little bit more. And so that would just keep happening until you're essentially paid the exact amount of value that you're producing. So it's all sort of conceptual and, you know, you, you would expect that, you know, in the real world, you wouldn't expect that anybody would be getting paid their competitive wage just because of market frictions and all sorts of factors. So... You know, this is an entirely theoretical wage, but it's just a benchmark that we can just use to, you know, start estimating, okay, you know, okay, we don't know people's wages. All we, all we know is retail revenue and the licenses. You know, is there any way we can estimate their wages, you know, given that data? Well, if you go back to our production function here, so here we have Y KT, basically basically we're just going to add, you know, LT to the beta right there. And then that gets log linearized, sorry, down here. And that turns into, you know, beta log LT. So we still have our linear equation where we're just going to take a regression of production, which I'll just call sales. So that'll just be revenue. So we're just going to be regressing revenue on some measure of capital, which I'm calling plants. And then on labor, the log of labor, which I'm calling total occupational licenses. So, you know, it's all just, um, it's all just a crude approximation and just, you know, just seeing what we can make fit. But it's just, 
it's just interesting to to just sort of make a make this visual conceptual model of the industry. So we're saying, okay, the wage that was we can probably estimate it to be competitive. Also in the so this is just more data. This probably should have belonged earlier. This is a, just a breakdown of actual positions held. Okay, so we've done the nitty gritty. Now we want to calculate this. Okay, so I'm going to real quick sh show you how that would be done. So you're going to import this data here where I've where you've got total occupational licenses and we also have total revenue. So that's basically, this is basically going to be our Y. And then this is basically going to be our L. And I believe we have the number of plants. I think, yeah, so here I should have average cultivated plants. So let's, you know, read in that data. Hopefully everything's there. Number one rule about data. Look at the data. So this is total revenue. Oops. There we have total plants, which will basically be our KT. So we've got our YT, KT, and our LT. And so we've got our total labor. Also, and this is what I was wanting to talk about refactoring. This is old, bad code that needs to be refactored. So I wouldn't really actually recommend labeling your variables like this. So uh, like for Python, you know, you should probably go, you know, total labor. Um, so this code needs to be refactored. So that is the, the name, that is the, the buzzword of the day. And so this code needs to be refactored. Remember earlier I said it's real interesting to supplement your, your, your data with external data sources. Well, here I'm actually using the, the Federal Reserve's Fred API, um, and so I'm not certain I have this. Okay, so so we'll need to install the the Fred Python API, and so let's actually just you know, see if we can't do that real quick. Okay, so I think we can just do And so what I'm using here is the 
basically the federal the federal reserve has you know this it would be the go to place if you just need monthly yearly you know potentially even more frequently but typically the not so frequent series so you know anything from you know any you know so this is where a lot of economic economists get their data honestly i don't i probably underutilize it because there are there is a bunch of awesome data here but you know but, but essentially right now um um pulling the right because we're estimating the the wage rate so it wouldn't be any fun to to just pull the the average wage data but basically what i'm pulling here is just the this is just the average number of hours a week that somebody would work because remember earlier i said oh i'm just going to conjecture that they work 40 hours per week but then i started thinking and you know that's not so realistic and so what you can do is you can actually you know you can actually get the you know the the average hourly work week so you know so like you you just slowly you know getting your approximations closer and closer to to realistic so as you see it's not people aren't working 40 hours a week on average it's typically you know it's close to you know 30, 33, 34 or so. Okay. And so this is old code and let's see if we can still get this to work. So it looks like we need numpy. And we need stats models. And so essentially what I'm doing here is just getting everything ready for this regression. I'm just getting the log of Y, the log of capital, and the log of labor, as well as a constant that should just represent technology. And this is where we're going to start off-roading a little bit. I need to probably touch up this code. So I'm not even going to promise that it's going to work here, but we can at least give it a shot. See, it was even written in Python 2. Um, so we're going to do a regression here. Okay, and so remember, we barely even have any data. Um, well, we have some data. We can get a lot more data. So we only have, you know, 29 observations. So it would be much better to run this through through 2021. And look, we're estimating these exact things. So we estimated our constant. So that's... So, right, so we just estimated that term so we just we just estimated that this whole term then we estimated x1 which is alpha. So we 
right? Whoops. So we just estimated alpha. And we've estimated that to be 0.28. And then we estimated beta. To be 0 0.0684. And if you look at this, if you add these two coefficients together, well, it's not quite one, but essentially economic theory would suggest that alpha plus beta would equal one. So we're obviously leaving some explanation left on the table, right? There's still about 10% of efficiency that's not really being explained here. But, you know, we're still explaining, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, you know, alpha and beta, you know, but they're close to what they should be, theor you know, theoretically. And so, so remember, so this is just a measure of efficiency. So remember, the closer to one it is the more efficient it is. So here we've got fairly efficient labor and then capital is not as efficient. And remember if we go back here, so we now have beta. Remember, so beta is, you know, Remember, beta is like about 0.6 or so. So now we can actually calculate the competitive wage. So now at any given point in time, we can say, okay, what is the competitive wage, right? It's just going to be the total amount of sales divided by the total amount of labor, you know, times 0.6. So, we now have we now have the competitive wage or an estimate. So this is, let me, let me really benchmark that there. This is, you know, essentially, you know, a complete estimate, you know, I mean, keep in mind all of the assumptions we've made along the way. So we first assumed that production is a function of plants and labor. Obviously, production is more than a function of plants and simply measuring labor's total occupational licenses is also sort of a big mental stretch. So we did some mental gymnastics there and just in fact the assumption that this is what the production function looks like that's also an enormous assumption. And then we assumed we assumed that everything's you know perfectly competitive. And you know, obviously, you know, there's a lot of factors, you know, that that come into play there. Um, and so so long story short, lots of considerations, but we're estimating, you know, a competitive wage you know, is fluctu fluctuating around, you know, somewhere between, you know, nine and 11, you know, you know, dollars per hour. And so, you know, like I said, this is an estimate, 
And we actually can put confidence intervals on that. And I think I've done that. Um, um, let's try to plot those all in all in one. So hold on, I'll be bringing this home here. Um, All right, and so here, you know, you could plot this in a, a more fanciful way, but here we're essentially saying, okay, you know, we think, you know, the real wage, you know, could be anywhere between, you know, four and, you know, 18 or so dollars per hour. And so, you know, with, with our best guess at around, you know, 10, you know, around $10 an hour. And so, you know, this is sort of bringing, you know, bringing it home. So basically, given, you know, all, all we were given was this data set here, just the Colorado data publicly available, you know, as well as, you know, the, the FRED API, we were able to create monthly totals, then we were able to use economic theory to estimate what a competitive wage may be, and then we estimated it, and then we plotted it, and now, you know, now people can know that, hey, this is what you know, this is what the competitive wage is in the cannabis industry. And I mean, if you're looking at like a competitive wage of, you know, up to you know 18 or so dollars an hour, well, that may be why there are a lot of legal cannabis jobs, because you have a high, a high competitive wage. So, I think that brings us to the end of the presentation. I kind of wanted to save a little bit more time for questions, but, um, but you know, that's some of the work I'm doing. And now the task is to rinse and repeat with all the data up to 2021. So... Well, um, thanks. It was, that was really cool. Um, but I have another meeting I have to go to. So okay. I'll see you next week. Oh, definitely. But I'll go ahead and conclude here and I'll get this recording up, get some of the material up. And I know it was a lot to take in, but it was even a lot for me to take in. Uh, I've sort of got to get refreshed uh, on it. But, you know, like I said, that's what I'm working on. It's got a lot of cleaning up to do, but there's some interesting insights there to be had. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you for presenting that. Ah, you're very welcome, Alice. And yeah, yeah. So thank you for coming. I hope you got something out of it. Do you have a little bit of time for a question? Definitely, by all means. If you were in, I don't know anything about economy, so that's that was a new piece for me. But if you were in a market where um, things are stabilized and you don't have that many more, like you have more license or less license, like it's very thin uh, variation. And let's say the revenue is more or less the same. Then in that plot, the reason you were able to plot um, revenue uh, versus um occupational license and to have this long line is because the market had been growing rapidly, right? Exactly. And so, so if, yeah. Oh, no, no, please continue. If you were in a stable market, you'd have a much smaller plot per se. Oh, exactly. And you hit on something interesting there. So 
with statistics, you know, variation is is key to to you know if you're trying to get some good measurements. So it will be interesting to see then exact and that's that's why we it's so worthwhile to extend this out to the current day is okay did the occupational licenses did that level off mm -hmm. and if so what's the effect on the market did the market keep growing because if the market keeps growing and then the occupational licenses level off you, you know you'd expect those people maybe to get paid you know maybe get paid more Maybe they're becoming better at their jobs, you know, becoming more efficient or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. And, yeah, that's cool. and so, yeah, so, so it's exciting. And so I'd wanted to extend this out to 2021 for today, but there's a good bit of data wrangling ahead. So, so that's why I wanted to go ahead and share what I had with you today. And... The data that you had for 2014 and 15, you had in a spreadsheet that was something that you got from a different data source than the links you shared. Is that? Um, so do you see the, the GitHub in the chat there? Yeah. So I so there is a an Excel spreadsheet there. You may have to essentially clone the GitHub. If you yeah. want, I can send you my email afterwards and then essentially just email you uh, that data set if you would like. Um, yeah. I, uh, for me right now, it's more understanding kind of like where you, so I see the Excel, I mean, I see the CSV file um, on today's um, presentation data directory. Um, yes. But you were saying that to get data up up until 2021, then you'd need to do like um, get the data actually from those websites. Exactly. And so here, let me put that in the chat here. But essentially, when I did it, I was looking at archived Excel versions. You mm -hmm. may be able to do it with that API I was sharing earlier. But now that I'm starting to think about it, I think that may just be, at least for the occupational licenses, that may only be a current snapshot. So I may have to share with you the links to the actual archives. So I, I actually do, that is actually sort of a gap. Um, so I was realized, I realized that in my preparation today that I was missing that data source. So I still have to scrounge that up, but I'll, I'll send that to you when, when I get it. Because I'm, I've got it somewhere. Um, uh, I've got the data, I just um, need to you know, find out you know, where I got that online again, so we can get it through 2021. And on the GitHub, you had a bunch of like, handouts. Oh, yeah. Um, what was you? What were you wondering? Sorry, there's a little. I, I, I hear myself on your end. Sorry. Ah, uh, here I'll I I can mute myself when I'm speaking. Um, I was saying in the um, so I'm on the uh, March 10 uh, repository of your GitHub, and there were a bunch of handouts, and I was curious about. Um, mapping basics with bucket, like you put links to articles. Um, what was the idea for you there? Oh, yes. So, you know, part of what I'm doing here is I'm just sort of keeping a track of just interesting data science slash cannabis data that I come across on a week to week basis. I, I don't know if it's helpful or not, but I just kind of thought that I just was starting to just accumulate things for the group. So just kind of say like, hey, this is, these are things I found in the past week. I think they're interesting. They're worth looking at. Just going to share them with the group because I've got, you know, a thousand and one pies in the oven and 
I may not get to all these awesome, all these awesome ideas and projects. And so I've found that instead of just leaving them to get dusty, I'll just, I'll just share them because like, for example, Charles was founding, was finding some use for the data. And so instead of them just getting dust, I'm just going to share them and I'll get to them eventually. And then if you want to poke around at them for the time being, have at it. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's great. So you have the past week's uh, presentations in that GitHub. So, so the actual videos I'm still uploading online. So okay. I'm going to, I'm basically creating a web page where I'll just have all the video archives. Like I said, it's on my to-do list. And in fact, it's on my today's to-do list. So you should, I'll, I'll, I'll check your, your messages on Meetup and I'll make sure to, I'll send you the links because those will be coming, coming out the pipeline real soon. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you have some time to talk just in general about data science? I don't know, I don't want to take too much. Oh. I, I definitely do. Um, I'm always happy to talk about data science. Would Would you want to like schedule like a like a one on one? Maybe yeah. Maybe it'd be better if you like you have it in your schedule and we can we can chat. I'd be I'm an aspiring data scientist. Awesome. I'm pivoting from physics research, and um, I've enrolled into a data science bootcamp um, that I'm doing in a couple of months and one of the things that they ask us is to build a project and so I'm kind of looking at different things that like different data sets that people haven't necessarily looked at a lot and cannabis data seems like really rich and actually I don't know that that many people have looked at it and so um, I, I, I'm thinking that that could become my project. If that was the case, then I would work on it probably like 10, 20 hours per week on it. And so I'm trying to see whether it's a good opportunity for me to start getting into. Definitely, Alice. Well, I can definitely point you in the direction of some good resources because like you said, it may be unparalleled the amount of public data because very few industries are actually regulated on such a granular level. So they're, you know, recording data at every stage. And the public has kind of opted towards a, you know, a public data approach towards cannabis because, you know, you just kind of want to let people know about it, know that it's going on, measure it. And it's new, so it was able, people were able to set up, in some cases, APIs. So there are some awesome sources. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's, well, it's basically a fire hose of data, and you know, people are just scrambling at it, and so there's a lot to be uncovered. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds really, uh, really exciting. Uh, I'm going to try to come through a little bit of your GitHub um, um, repo for the past presentations that you've done, kind of trying to understand. Right now, I can see there's a lot of data. I'm still a little bit unclear on what are, like, the most interesting questions to focus on, and I guess that's your wheelhouse. Ooh. Well, the morning, the, the repository is a bit of a mess right now. It needs a bit of cleanup. Um, I was just posting things for the time being, but if you'd like, I could think of some things. And then when we speak, uh, we could hammer out, you know, some, some, some good projects that you may want to, to poke around. At. That sounds great. Um, do you know what your availabilities are in, um, the next, uh, this week or next week or I'm, I'm always available afternoon. And then on Fridays, I'm usually wide open. So, okay. how about tomorrow afternoon? Definitely. Okay. Okay. Do you have a time that's best for you? 2 p.m. 
p.m. and tomorrow is Thursday. So I do have an engagement at two thirty on tomorrow. So if we can do Friday, um, how about I'm going to send you an email and okay. you think of the best time for you. I'm going to give you my time windows when I'm free, and then you pick the time. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. All right. Well, this and is exciting, Alice. It was yeah, awesome meeting you. Can you uh, put your email in the chat? Yes. So you can just reach me at just at keeganski at gmail.com. All right. Well, it was great. I, I wanted to attend this like, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, and I couldn't. And I'm really glad I got to do that. Well, Today ended up being an interesting presentation. There was a lot in there, but I thought it was uh, an interesting one, but I think it still needs to get cleaned up. But, uh, well, you had the content and, and then you had the data science and the coding. And so that was that was a lot to put in like one hour, but I definitely like the approach and like knowing a little bit more background about like the economical science behind it. So that was really interesting to me. Cool. All right. I'll, I'll send you an email right away. Nice awesome. I'm, I'm glad you got something out of it, Alice. So I'll look forward to speaking with you. All right. Bye. Have an awesome day. Bye. You too.